Hello and welcome to Pickleball Therapy, the podcast dedicated to your pickleball improvement. Hope you're having a great week. CJ and I just finished our last camp, last 2022 camp here in Tampa. We're heading, uh, next ones are going to be in Lake Tahoe and then we're going to, actually no, next ones are North Carolina, my, my mistake, North Carolina next, then Lake Tahoe, uh, and then we're going up to Cincinnati and then we're considering a West Coast swing. So if you're interested in camps here in the West Coast, send us an email at camps at weirpickleball.com and let us know that you're interested in camps in the West Coast and we'll uh, keep you in, you know, we'll put you on the uh, on the email list to make sure you get notified of any camps that we schedule out there. Those would probably be uh, end of October, November, around then. We're still working those details out. In any event, this week I want to chat with you about a concept called marginal advantage. It's a concept you can apply to anything in life, but I like to apply these concepts to pickleball because that's what we're doing here. And what we're going to do this week is talk about it in terms of your improvement as a pickleball player. You can use marginal advantage when you're playing as well, but this week we're going to focus on it and your in your road to improvement, right? If you're if you're looking to get better, how marginal advantage works and how you can use it. This is the important part, right? How you can use it to help you get better sooner. In other words, if, you know, become the best pickleball version of yourself sooner rather than later by using the concept of marginal advantages. And then in the riff, we got an email from Kathy, and Kathy asked a question about basically how to stay focused or how to basically keep her intentionality. If you follow the podcast, you know that we love that concept of intentionality. And so basically, you know, how do you keep intentionality when you are, uh, when you're basically scrambling out on the court, when chasing down a lob, or she says being pulled way off on the sideline, sometimes she loses her intentionality. So basically, what can she do there, um, you know, not to overplay the ball and to maintain that intentionality when she's under pressure. So this week, marginal advantages and how to maintain your intentionality when you're under pressure. Stay tuned for the podcast. The most complete pickleball resource available anywhere is the Pickleball System. Access to an unparalleled library of pickleball information, as well as your success path. You can find out more at thepickleballsystem.com. I'll link to it below. Marginal advantages. Sounds fancy. Really isn't. I mean, it, you know, it's a neat concept. Uh, it's not as complicated as the, the terminology makes it sound, marginal advantages. But it's something that you can use in anything in life, but pickleball specifically we're going to focus on today. And we're going to focus again specifically on how you use the concept of marginal advantages in connection with your improvement, in connection with, you know, your work to become the best pickleball player you can be. And so we're going to compare a, a few different efforts that you can, you can, uh, a few different things that you can try and work on. And we're going to compare their marginal advantages so that you can decide, you know, help you at least frame out your decision making in terms of how you're going to spend your time, where you're going to spend your energy. Uh, in terms of your pickleball improvement. So generally speaking, think of marginal advantages as what's the relationship of the benefit to me or the return, if you'd like thinking that way, so like a return on investment. What's the benefit to me, right, relative to the cost of whatever it is that I'm doing? And by cost, we're not talking about dollars necessarily, although those can be included if you're taking a bunch of lessons and stuff. But usually we're talking about Time. Time is the big, time is your most valuable asset, right? I don't know if you know this or not. Hopefully by now you do, but time is your number one asset. So when you look at your, what you're deciding what to do with your training, right? Or your, or your study of the game or your reading or you're watching a videos, whatever it is, you need to balance out what am I getting 
for the work that I'm putting in, right? That's the cost. So what do I receive? The benefit for the cost. And so that's the analysis on marginal advantages. And I'll give you a couple of examples that I think should help just hopefully illustrate this point. Let's assume that you have an issue with your return of serve, okay? Your return of serve simply does not go in, right? If you're missing returns of serve, we've said this a thousand times, we'll say a thousand times more. If you're missing your returns of serve, stop the presses, nothing else to do, that's what you're gonna work on, right? Returns of serve. So the, the benefit of improving your return of serve when you play pickleball is huge. I mean, it cannot be overstated. The work to improve your return of serve is, yes, it requires some work, right? But when you compare the amount of work, so say you say, you say you're gonna drill, you know, in and in a, in a week you're gonna drill for, call it 90 minutes in a week, 60 to 90 minutes in a week, and you're gonna do that for the next five or six weeks, and at the end you're gonna have a better return of serve. The trade-off, right, between the amount of work that you have to put in relative to your return of serve the benefit that you gain from your return of serve is the type of marginal advantage that you're looking for, is the type of, the, the, the advantage that you're getting is so great relative to the work you're putting in, it's something that's worth doing. I'll give you another one that's even easier. Where you stand at the beginning of each rally. So before the ball is served, where you stand can have a huge impact on, your, on the rally. And it's the kind of thing that uh, pickleball players don't rec don't realize because you know maybe they didn't miss the shot or whatever and so they're not really thinking about where they're standing on the court and i cannot think of a of an item that you do when you play that is simpler and more in your control than where you stand at the beginning of every rally you can simply move forward back left and right with your feet right when you're out on the court just to get yourself in the best position to start the rally the benefit can be huge and the, the the investment is almost nothing it's simply one kind of having an not kind of it's having a, it's understanding wind and you know wind and who's serving and things like that anticipating the type of ball you're going to receive and then after that it's simply paying a little bit of attention and taking two steps one way or another it's something like that so it's basically no investment right huge returns now let's compare that to something like the Ernie, okay? Um, the Ernie, or I'll, I'll, I'll lump them together. The Ernie or like the backhand roll volley, right? Which people like, or just a roll volley, an attack roll volley. The benefits of a roll volley compared to hitting a more, a flatter or more, you know, regular, if you want to call it that, volley. Is there an advantage to a roll volley over a flat, you know, sort of normal volley? Yeah, sure but it's not huge. There is some, but not huge. And the amount of work that you will need, if you don't already know how to do it, so if you don't come from tennis or something like that where you have a more natural predisposition to understanding how to do it, is going to be significant. I'm gonna bet that there are at least 10, if not 50 things on a list that will give you a greater benefit relative to the amount of work you have to put in when compared to something like a roll volley. Same thing with something like an Ernie. I use, I don't get them anymore. Maybe everyone's figured out that I'm, I'm not a big fan of the Ernie. I don't have nothing against the Ernie itself. It's fine. I'm just not a big fan of the Ernie and its pursuit by, you know, most players. I'm, I'm throwing out a number here, but I think like 
the Ernie probably applies to less than 1% of players should be using Ernie's. Yet, I see video after video of four O's, some three fives, some four fives, trying to do an Ernie. I never see it in that setting. I never see it have an impact on the game. All I see it having is a negative impact on the game when it has any impact at all. And it's not, so it's either neutral or negative in gameplay. But right now we're focusing on improvement, right? In terms of improvement, marginal advantage of knowing how to do an Ernie, even if you know how to do it the best, you learn how to do it as well as a Deco Bar or a Zane Navratil or a Kyle or you know Ben or somebody like that, right? So you you learn the the highest level of Ernie possible. The marginal advantage, the impact that it's going to have in your game, is going to be negligible. And, and and then compare that to the amount of work required to learn how to do the Ernie, to get your body in shape to do that kind of a move. Uh, you know, it just doesn't make any sense, folks. I mean, marginal advantage wise, learning an Ernie or adding an Ernie to your game is absolute nonsense from a purely what makes sense standpoint. Now that said, listen, if hitting an Ernie is your lifelong dream, you know, you were when you were five and in school and they said what do you want to be when you grow up? And you said, you know, I'd like to hit a pickleball learning when I grow up. You know, by all means, knock yourself out. Do the training necessary to get your body in shape. And I have a, a sort of a, 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 well, there's injuries that happen with that, right? Where you can, you jump out to the side, you hurt your knee, you hurt your ankle, you roll it, whatever. Um, but basically, you know, you, you get your body in shape, work on that leap, work on the timing of it, because you have to time it, right? You have to jump at the exact time that you get to the spot where the ball is going to be so you can hit it. And a lot of players have a hard enough time getting there with their feet on the ground. So learn all that, then practice a shot, and then I guess use it. I don't know, you know, read the ball, learn how to read the ball better, uh, and then get out there and hit Ernie's. If that's what you want to do, just because, again, it's your dream. If, however, your objective is to play the best pickleball, best pickleball that you can play, forget the Ernie. Forget shots like that because the marginal advantage of them is simply not worth it. The amount of investment relative to the negligible return, the negligible impact that it'll have on your game, make those shots not worthwhile. If you understand marginal advantages, right, a little better hopefully now, what you need to do is you take that knowledge of or that framework, I should say, of marginal advantages and you apply it to your game in terms of deciding what to work on next. The folks who are inside our pickleball system or are following our pickleball system, uh, it's called The Pickleball System. If you want to know more about it, you can go to thepickleballsystem.com. It's all one big word, thepickleballsystem.com, and you can get more information about it. You can get on the wait list if it's something that, that calls to you. But players inside the system have that done for them. In other words, we, CJ and I, have already worked through the marginal advantages of the work of what's relevant. And we basically have laid out, here's what's relevant to you, right? Excuse me, there's a success, success path. There's the, the all the videos are in there, you know what I mean? But they're done in a way that focuses you first on what's the greatest marginal advantage. Now, once you're done with that, so earlier I mentioned the return of service being one of the highest, if not the highest, one of the highest marginal advantages um, areas that you can work on. Then we go to the next one. And then when you're done with that one, you go to the next one. And then you go to the next one. And the idea is that every time you complete one of these steps or one of these uh, areas, you will see great gains in your game. And the amount of investment will be not, I'm not going to say you don't have to work. You have to work. But the amount of investment or amount of cost to you is relatively low 
when you compare it to the gain that you get. So that's something you can you can do it on your own, but you you need to have that kind of framework. You need to think about it in that way. Otherwise, you will be you will be wasting a precious resource, your most precious resource, which is your time on uh, activities, on shots, on you know, quote unquote skills like the Ernie that simply will not give you any kind of a meaningful imp and meaningful result or meaningful benefit when you're out there playing pickleball. So as you move forward, our advice, apply this concept of marginal advantages as you make decisions on what you want to work on next. And that is how you'll become the pickleball player that you want to be. All right. In the riff, we're going to talk about can maintaining our intentionality when we're under fire. When we're out there running around, things are going crazy. How do we maintain our intentionality? Stay tuned for the riff. Most pickleball players spend a lot of time thinking about and comparing pickleball paddles. But you know what's more important than a pickleball paddle? Your shoes. Are you wearing the right kind of shoes to play pickleball in? If you're not sure, consider trying out shoes that are designed and made specifically for pickleball. Tyrol shoes are the shoes that CJ and I both wear out on the pickleball court. Remove any doubt about whether the shoes you're wearing are right for pickleball. Check out Tyrol shoes. I'll put a link in the show notes. Protect your most valuable asset out there, your body, with the right shoes. Wear the right shoes and play longer on the court. As I mentioned earlier, Kathy reached out to us with an email. She suggested a video idea, but I thought, you know what? Let's make this a podcast idea because it's it's really good for the uh, for this part of you know for therapy and things like that for the mental part of the game. And so what she talks about here is intentionality, and she says uh, she says she's enjoyed the concept of intentionality, and she always has it. Um, but where she loses it is when she says, when I lose it is when I'm in trouble, whether chasing down a lob or being pulled way off the sideline. So those dinks or shots, I go off the sideline. I tend to lose my intentionality in the scramble and often overplay the ball. We all do this, Kathy. So you're not alone on this. Any tips for keeping your cool? I like that. I like to keep my cool and have intentionality under pressure. So, uh, yes, Kathy, I have a couple of tips for you. And so let's talk about that. So what we're talking about is a situation where you're under duress. Okay. You're stressed out by the, by something the opponents have done or something, you know, you've done to yourself. Doesn't matter. You're basically in a situation where you're scrambling, you're running around. And what players tend to do is they tend to, they tend to pull out of their, their back pocket, uh, something that's comfortable for them. In fact, we were, we were at the camp earlier today, we were doing some video breakdowns with our campers. And we we're watching a match, and both times that the one of the players on the match we were watching was under duress, going back to retrieve a lob, he invariably turned around and simply, you know, smashed the ball into the net. Right? They they never cleared the net either time. And so, the best way to deal with that situation, right, or those situations. So you're in a situation where you're like, I'm not sure what to do. I'm going to give you two options. One option is going to be so use this option when you. You're under duress, right? But you still have enough time or enough, you know, you can get to the ball in a way that you can at least hit a reasonable shot uh, with it. In those situations, you're going to hit a dink. No matter where you're on the court, uh, you're going to hit a dink shot. So you're going to try and hit an unattackable shot to buy yourself some time to get back to your position and hopefully, you know, avoid further attack. Just basically slow things down. You're going to reset the thing with a reset shot. That's one option. But that is only when you have 
when you have time and at least enough time to do that, right? If not, the second option, and this option you can use anytime, you know, any anytime that you don't have, you know, any time to, to do anything, right? You just barely get into the ball, hit a lob. Throw it up, right? Lobs buy you time. And even if it's a short lob, you still have time to recover. If it's any sort of a lob that gets them even one step off the line, off the, the non-volley zone line, you'll have the ability to recover. Your partner can move into a better position to help you out. So have that in your back pocket, right? Not really sure what to do, hit a lob. What that'll do is that'll calm you down because you'll have, you'll know what to do when you're in trouble. Running around, you always have the lob as an option if you don't have time to hit a dink. So Kathy and everyone, hope this helps you maintain your intentionality when you're out there. Except that when we're playing pickleball, sometimes things are going to get a little bit out of our control. And, you know, that's part of the game, right? It's part of the beauty. We try and do it to our opponents. They're trying to do it to us. Uh, but again, if that happens, lob is always available to you. And it'll buy you the time you need to get back set. Having that knowledge of what shot to hit should give you some more confidence and calmness when you're out on the court. Same kind of confidence and calmness you can get if you join us inside the pickleball system. Learning is key to confidence, calmness, and playing your best pickleball. All right, so that's this week's podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. If you liked it, please rate and review it, uh, you know, wherever you listen to it. That helps us reach other players. And as always, share it with your friends directly and social media, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever, you know, Pinterest, doesn't matter, whatever, wherever you're at, uh, share it. That helps us uh, reach your friends. And if you like the podcast, they probably will too. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.